the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through 1 Corinthians. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Some of your traditions will suggest to you that those things have ended. They have ceased at the end of the apostolic age. And I would just respectfully ask you to examine what I just read there from 1 Corinthians 13, understand the context, understand what Paul's talking about, and then realize perfection hasn't come yet. Perfection is not a a, um, reference to the completion of the canon of Scripture. It is a reference to that day when we stand in God's presence and we know fully even as we are fully known. And until that day happens, the gifts of the Spirit are still available. Disagreements over the gifts of the Holy Spirit have been a minefield throughout church history. Some believers come from a background where things were extreme, even to the point of making up new gifts that have no basis in Scripture, such as being slain in the Spirit. On the other side, you may have seen raising a hand during worship as a bit too charismatic. In today's message, Pastor Gary will seek the Lord's guidance and understanding from Scripture over this controversial subject. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection, subscribe to the podcast, or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11, and then we will pray. We come to a very important topic in the Bible, one that has caused a tremendous amount of division in many churches, and so I'm going to do my best to wade through this without causing a church split here. Um, But it's the topic of spiritual gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So it says this, Paul writes now about spiritual gifts, brothers. I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. 
All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines. Well, again, if you've been with us uh, through our study of 1 Corinthians, you will know by now that this is a corrective epistle. Paul is correcting the church at Corinth because uh, they are doing some things improperly and incorrectly. There was sexual sin in the church that they just overlooked and just kind of said, well, there's grace for everybody who really cares. Uh, They were suing each other, which was not appropriate, taking each other, dragging each other into court, suing each other over their differences. Last week, we talked about how they were uh, misusing the Lord's Supper. They weren't waiting for one another. They were getting drunk instead of uh, understanding the importance and significance of the communion elements, the bread and, and, and the juice or the wine. And so they were doing a lot of things incorrectly. They had questions about marriage and, and sexuality. And so Paul addresses all these things here. And now we come to this other issue that they're not doing right. And it has to do with spiritual gifts. Uh, they, they are filled with the spirit in this, in this church, kind of, you know, big S and little S. Uh, they're filled with the Spirit, and they're also filled with some wine, and so they're doing some things wrong here. Uh, but, but nevertheless, you know, how many of you understand that somebody can be filled with God's Spirit and yet uh, not understand the proper function of the Spirit of God? And so there's controversy and there's division in this church over the use, and dare I say misuse, of the gifts of the Spirit. Now, it is interesting to note that as Paul begins this 12th chapter, he starts out by saying, now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. And yet here here we are almost 2,000 years after Paul wrote this chapter, and there's still a tremendous amount of ignorance in the body of Christ concerning spiritual gifts. So this is appropriate for us even today. Because I know that in a group this size, there are some of you who have no understanding at all about spiritual gifts or about the Holy Spirit, okay? There are others of you who perhaps have been churched long enough that you're familiar with the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, but you don't believe that the gifts of the Spirit are available today. You believe that they petered out with Peter. And then there are others of you that are uh, hyper hyper-obsessed with the gifts of the Spirit, uh, almost to the exclusion of Jesus, and it's all about the move of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit, and Jesus has become almost secondary to the things of the Spirit. So there are all kinds of misuses and abuses uh, of the Spirit in the sense that when our flesh enters the equation, we can take what God intends for good and we can abuse it and misuse it. Uh, There are misuses of the Spirit of God, and people have said and done a lot of crazy, wacky things in the name of the Spirit of God, some of which has not been and should not be attributed to the Spirit whatsoever. But but people like to go around, you know, in the name of the Spirit and uh, saying, thus says the Lord, and and uh, they have a word for you or, or some uh, wisdom for you. And listen, sometimes it's spot on, and sometimes it's completely of the flesh. It has nothing to do with God. And so we need to understand the function and purpose uh, and manifestation of the Spirit, not just so that we know it for ourselves, but so that we can distinguish it when someone else tries to use it on us. So we have to be equipped in this kind of thing. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant about this. I want you to be informed. I want you to be equipped. Now, I ask every time we come to the topic of the Holy Spirit in the Bible, whether it's through the book of Acts or now here through the book of 1 Corinthians, I just ask simply one thing. 
that regardless of what you know or don't know, or think you know, that you would be open to understanding afresh what God says in, in the Word, in, in the Bible. Which means that for some of you, if you have a church background, you're going to have to just, for the moment, just put that on the shelf. Now, it might, it might come back to be completely accurate according to what the Bible says, but sometimes what I find in relation to the work of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit is that we've believed things related to the Spirit. We don't even know why. It's just because that's the way we were taught. And everything we were taught is not necessarily accurate. You know, it's, it's that old, I've shared this story before, that old illustration of how this little girl watches her mom put a roast in the oven and notices that mom lops off both ends of the roast before she puts it in the oven. And so the little kid said to mom, why do you lop off both ends of the roast? She, mom says, I, I don't know. You have to ask your grandma. I just do this because I saw, I, saw, I saw my mom do it. So go ask grandma. And so little girl goes, ask grandma. Grandma, mom lops off both ends of the roast before she puts it in the oven. What? And she said, you did that. Why did you do it? She, she says, I don't know. My mom did that. Why don't you go ask your great-grandma? And so she goes over and asks great-grandma. Their great-grandma is 95 years old. Great-grandma, mom and grandma cut the ends of the roast off before they put, put it in the oven. They said they did it because you did it. And is there some special secret? to is that, Why did you do that? She says, lousy girl, I only did it because I didn't have a pan big enough. <laughs> so sometimes we just accept things and it breaks. Because well, that's the way we did it. Got to lop off both ends. of Great grandma just didn't have a pan big enough. That's why she lopped off both ends of the row. So we got to look at the gifts of the spirit and the things of the spirit and say to ourselves, what do we believe because we were just simply handed down this information? It's my tradition. It's my heritage. It's my church background. And what do we believe? Because that's what the Bible says. Now, those two things might line up. And that's great. If your heritage and your background and your, your you know, upbringing in the church aligns with what the Bible says, that's terrific. But, but I, I'm, I'm just asking you to please, to please come to a place where you are open-minded about the things of the Spirit as revealed in the pages of Scripture. Okay. I remember years ago talking to a lady who was adamant that the gifts of the Spirit did not exist. She said, you know, that was for a time in the first century, and and that time is over. It was just during the the apostolic age, and I don't believe them anymore. And they're not for today, at least not the miraculous signs. and And so, but then unfortunately, she got a terrible medical diagnosis. And as soon as she got that diagnosis, she said to me, where's that person with the gift of healing? Because she wanted to be prayed over. And I understand. And so what was interesting, I said, well, I thought you didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. She said, my theology has given way to reality. <laughs> and, and that was a wonderful thing for her. And, and I pray that, that all of you know, our backgrounds would come to the place of just surrendering to, okay, well, what, is, what does God say here? And, and, let's, and let's approach this from a fresh perspective. Now, I will tell you going into this study, okay, that um, just to kind of so that you know exactly where I'm coming from in the approach to Scripture, I don't believe that the gifts of the Spirit ended at the end of the apostolic age, meaning when the last apostle died, that the gifts of the Spirit died with the last of the apostles. Um, and, and the reason I, I don't believe in that is because that whole um, approach to the gifts of the Spirit is really from one particular verse in the Bible, which is out of context. 
And so if you'll just jump to chapter 13, I want to go there first into, into 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And in verse 8, it says, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. And where there are tongues, talking about the gift of prophecy and the gift of tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. Okay, your attention. So, uh, for the first 19 centuries of church history... There was one particular interpretation of that verse, and then in the last century or so, there's been a new interpretation of of this passage. And the newer interpretation kind of goes like this, that that verse there in verse 10 that says, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears, that perfection refers to the completion of the canon of Scripture. In other words, there are some who believe today that when the Bible in its fullness came to be penned and accepted and received by the Council of Nicaea and the Council of Hippo in the, in the 4th century A.D., okay, when the formulation of the Bible came to, to be completed, the completion of the canon of Scripture, then that which is imperfect has disappeared. The gifts of the Spirit are, are no longer uh, necessary or available. And so that school of thought says that, that verse 10 refers to the completion of the canon of Scripture, and thus, now that we have the full revelation of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, we no longer need the gifts of the Spirit, and they have ceased. Now, Paul obviously speaks there about a time when these gifts will cease. But the, the key question is, well, what does verse 10 refer to? If it refers, in fact, to the completion of the canon of Scripture, then you would have to say the gifts of the Spirit have ceased. But if, in fact, it refers to something else, then you, you must be open to, to, the, to the availability of the gift still today. And if you look further, because every text needs to be examined in its context, if you look further here in chapter 13, you, you're going to see what, what perfection really refers to. Look at verse, verse 11. Paul writes, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. All right, now no, notice the language there because he says at the end of, of verse 12, now I know in part. Okay, compare that to verse 9. Back up at verse 9, he says, for now we know in part and we prophesy in part. Okay, so there is a partial understanding of things and then there's a full understanding of things and that's the end of verse 12. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully even as I am fully known. He's talking about now and then. What is the then that he's talking about? He says, then I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. When is it that you and I will know fully all things that we presently can't comprehend everything now? But when shall we know fully, even as we are fully known? When will that day happen? When when we go to heaven, when we're in the presence of the Lord. Either when he comes 
to receive us or when we die to go be with him, which, whichever happens first. When we are in his presence, then we will know fully, even as we are fully known, because then God will reveal these things to us that presently in our earthly ability to grasp everything escapes us. Okay, so when you understand the context there, chapter 13, when he talks here about, well, now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, he says, you know, we prophesy in part, we have, we have gifts of the Spirit, okay? But he says, when perfection comes, that which is imperfect will disappear. Perfection is the state of the believer in the, in the completed state of the believer in the presence of the Lord. When you are with the Lord, when you die and go to be with Him, or when He comes again, then you will be completed. Then you will be, the fullness of your salvation will be realized. And you will be in the presence of the Lord. And I guarantee you at that time, you will not need the gifts of the Spirit. You are in the presence of the giver of the gifts. All right? You won't need tongues and interpretation. <laughs> you, will, you will know all things because you will be fully known. And you will, you will know fully just as you were fully known. You will need the gifts of, the, of healing because you're in the presence of the healer. And all things won't need healing anymore when you're with the Lord. So the contrast of perfection and imperfection in part and then then fully known, he's speaking about the things now versus the things later in the presence of God. And because the context of chapter 13 speaks about being in the fullness of the Lord in our completed state, until that day happens, the gifts of the Spirit are still available. Now again, some of your traditions will suggest to you that those things have ended, they have ceased at the end of the apostolic age. And I would just respectfully ask you to examine what I just read there from 1 Corinthians 13, understand the context, understand what Paul's talking about, and then realize perfection hasn't come yet. Perfection is not a, a um, reference to the completion of the canon of Scripture. It is a reference to that day when we stand in God's presence and we know fully even as we are fully known. And until that day happens, the gifts of the Spirit are still available. So this topic here is an important one. We're going, to, we're going to be talking tonight about spiritual gifts from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And actually, 12, uh, 13 is a neat chapter sandwiched between 12 and 14. But primarily, 12 and 14 have to do with the gifts of the Spirit. What are they? How do they function? The proper use. And so this is kind of like a manual for the gifts of the Spirit right here in these chapters. We'll be looking at this over the next couple of weeks, with the exception of next week, because that's a different topic. But I felt like before we can actually even talk about the list of the gifts of the Spirit and what all this means, uh, it is important that we first just understand the Holy Spirit. Because although this might be review for a great number of you, I, 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 you know, it's important as a pastor that I'm, I'm leading people along and I don't want to leave people behind, even though some of you might understand some of the lingo, others of you don't. So I think first things first. We have to talk about the Holy Spirit because that's, in, in the context here, we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit, so we better understand who the Holy Spirit is before we can understand what the gifts of the Spirit are about or how they function. And so this is that topic first, the Holy Spirit. So for you note-takers, here's some important things to understand about the Holy Spirit. Here's the first thing. The Holy Spirit is a real being. We're talking about the third person of the Trinity. Now, by that I mean one God revealed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the Bible, the Bible speaks of God being one God. He is one God. But He reveals Himself in three persons. 
He reveals himself as Father. He reveals himself as Son, which is Jesus. And he reveals himself as the Holy Spirit. The Trinity, the concept of the Trinity, very difficult concept. Uh, but nevertheless, though the word itself, Trinity, does not appear anywhere in the Bible, the concept itself does. And so it is important to recognize that God is one God who reveals himself in three persons. And so when we speak of the Holy Spirit, we're speaking about God, who is the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is that third part of the Trinity. Now, some important distinctions about the Holy Spirit. Jesus uses personal pronouns to describe the Holy Spirit. And I'll read to you. I'm going to give you a lot of scripture verses. It's probably better if you just want to take the notes and I'll read it to you because I'll read it before you can turn to it. John 14. 16 to 17. Listen to what Jesus says. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Now listen to the personal pronouns that Jesus ascribes to the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And why is this important that Jesus uses personal pronouns to describe the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit is not some impersonal force. Resist the tendency to refer to the Holy Spirit as an it. The Holy Spirit has personage. He is the third part of the Trinity, that Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And just as Jesus used pronouns to describe him, so we need to understand the Holy Spirit is not some mystical, you know, force. It's, uh, and even though the, the good old King James Version refers to him as the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost, uh, I don't want you to just necessarily just think of him as some kind of a, you know, this mystical floating kind of ghost-like creature, all right? He is part of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus uses personal pronouns to describe him. And secondly, he has all the attributes of personality. He has a mind. 1 Corinthians 2.11 says, For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. He has a mind. He has a will. In 1 Corinthians 12, 11, it says, speaking, we read it a moment ago, speaking about all these gifts. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines, or New King James says, just as he wills. He has a will, and he wills to give certain gifts to certain people. Not everybody has every gift, but together we complement each other within the body of Christ. That's what he writes in the rest of chapter 12. And also the Holy Spirit has emotion. Because in Ephesians 4.30 it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So it is possible to grieve the Holy Spirit. He has emotion. Number two, the only other point I want to make, and then we'll, we'll move on to the gifts themselves. But the Holy Spirit has always existed being co-equal and co-eternal with God. Because he is God. And so, three quick sub-points to this to understand. He was there at creation. All the way back in Genesis 1-2, it says, Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. We see Him present at creation. But we also understand that He empowered specific people in the Old Testament times. Even though we're speaking about the Holy Spirit in the context of the New Testament... 
And the first time that the fullness of the Holy Spirit comes is in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit has always been present, being co-equal and co-eternal with God the Father. And we see Him on assignment, if you will, in the Old Testament. There were many people who were filled individually by God's Spirit as God determined. The Bible says that Moses was filled with the Spirit of God. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of Cornerstone Connection as we dig into the book of 1 Corinthians. The issues and situations that Paul was addressing in this letter to the Corinthian church are the same issues that churches face today. It's bold and courageous that Paul faced those things head on, and it would be negligent for churches today to not do the same. Despite the idolatry and sin that was running rampant in this culture, Paul encouraged the believers to be a light that shines in a dark world. You can be this today in the dark world that surrounds you. Be a light that glows brilliantly and stands out against the dark blanket of sin that surrounds you. If you're ever in the Leesburg, Virginia area, we'd love to meet you in person at Cornerstone Chapel. Stop in for a service this Sunday at 8.30, 10, or 11.45, or join us for our Bible study and fellowship on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Pastor Gary would love to hear your story and how you came to know about the radio ministry of Cornerstone Connection. Find out more details, such as where we're located, at cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all we have for today, but join us next time to learn more from the book of 1 Corinthians, right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul, that you've got no place to go. But still you know General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.